everyone, we have a great episode of the final third today. We have a discussion about Frank Lampard getting sacked from Chelsea from the perspective of a Chelsea fan. And we also talk about who is in the best 11 this season so far. It's a great discussion. We got so much packed into this episode. And as always, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. Again, that's at Final Third Show on Twitter to get connected with all of us. And yeah, we have a great, great episode for you today. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Final Third. My name is AJ. I'm everybody's favorite U.S. men's national team uh, super fan, and I'm joined here with Jack. Jack, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, so I am everyone's resident Chelsea, Atalanta, and also recently Atletico Madrid fan, but, uh, oh, wow. you know, uh, we have a big story to talk about right away right up. in terms Let, of this. Let's not talk about literally anything else, because this happened at when we were recording, the day that we are recording, so let's just jump right into it. Jack takes away with our first big story of four today. Yeah, so we had to limit ourselves to four stories because the big story this morning is that Frank Lampard, Chelsea legend, all-time top goal scorer for the club, was sacked at Chelsea following a bad strain of results. And uh, it's not confirmed yet, but Thomas Tuchel, former PSG manager, is rumored to be the replacement, although Fabrizio Romano gave us the here we go, so it seems like that'll be happening as soon as Wednesday in, in time for the game against Wolves. And, uh, you know, this came uh, after just a bad string of league performances. Uh, I think four points out of 15 possible from the last five. Yeah. But recently, you know, including cup games, we uh, there were, I believe, three out of four wins. Uh, so it came as a bit of a shock, but from what I've been reading about it, seems like the decision was all made up after this Leicester game where uh, Frank Lampard got totally outclassed by Brendan Rodgers. And it's, it, it's as a Chelsea fan, it's really sad for me because Frank Lampard is just a legend of the club. It's someone that, you know, has seen us through our best times, winning the Champions League, the Premier League several times, and uh, sometimes through our worst as well. And I really wanted him to succeed, but unfortunately, uh, as any Chelsea fan knows... Our board is impatient, and they yeah. want results. And do, you think, it do you think it was the right decision? Do I think it was the right decision? Absolutely not. Um, of course not. It's, I don't think it, it was the right decision. I think that Lampard's, Lampard was always going to face a tough strain of results because of the schedule congestion and also because he basically bought half of a starting 11 in the summer, and it takes time for them to settle. Uh, Chilwell was settled, obviously, because he was a Premier League yeah. player, and all, all of these other big-name signings that haven't quite been clicking yet that caused some of these results, you know, it. I, I feel like he deserved at least till the end of the season to try sure. and make it work. If he if he failed to, like, get top four then, sure. Like, if he didn't meet the objectives, by all means, uh, you can sack him. But I feel like he should have been given more of a chance than he was given. And I, I just think it's really disappointing, especially since it seems that some players had a very, not large role, but 
a role in getting him fired because of his favor favoritism of playing youth players instead of yeah. experienced players at times. Well, talk to me. Talk to me about that because you know I, I did look at some of the players' Instagram posts, Twitter posts, either giving support or kind of celebrating that he was leaving. Can you tell me like why exactly they fired Lampard and what the players had to do with that? Yeah. So this isn't necessarily like confirmed. A lot of this is rumors as. You know, a lot of stuff in soccer happens to be, but uh, it seems that uh, as Piliqueta, club captain, been there since 2012, played alongside Lampard, was trying to calm down and ne- kind of work with Antonio Rudiger, who was pretty disgruntled after wanting to move on in the summer and ultimately transfers falling through, and he, he was kind of frozen out of the side for a while. And it seems that he, along with... Uh, what I what I heard was potentially Marcus Alonso, who was also frozen out after the three three draw at West Brom, uh, and also I believe Mateo Kovacic actually complained directly to the board about Lampard mm. giving youth products more time than them, and apparently, uh, well, player power has been a big problem at Chelsea and the firing of managers since like you know, 2014 to 15 with Jose Mourinho, continuing with Antonio Conte, and with, uh, with sorry, I blanked on his first name for a second there. But, you know, it, it's been a big problem, and ultimately it came to a head with this. And uh, funnily enough, I think this was more of a mistake the more I look at it, but one, one player, uh, a bit of an outcast, Danny Drinkwater, happened uh-huh. to post two minutes after the announcement a video of him sliding and celebrating after scoring a goal on the pitch. And uh, he later clarified that this wasn't meant as a dig against okay, Frank yeah. Lampard, but it it seems like very poor timing. Uh, right. And especially considering all of this other controversy, sur- controversy surrounding the player's role in Lampard's sacking, it, it seemed a little off at first, but it, yeah. it, w- it would have been weird if he was celebrating because he wasn't getting playing time anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my opinion, I think that Frank Lampard might have taken the job a bit too early. Uh, I think most of the most of the coaches that really jump right into head coaching careers usually kind of falter. I mean, we're kind of seeing that with Andre Pirlo with Juventus, uh, to a, to an extent Arteta with uh, with Arsenal. So it, it's a hard ask to to take the mantle at Chelsea. But the question is, like, do you think Thomas Tuchel's the right man for the job? Because the past is the past. Lampard, he might have taken it early, but, you know, he's gone now. Is Tuchel the right man for the job? I know Christian Pulisic, our boy, thinks probably thinks so. He uh, he played well under him when he was back in uh, Borussia Dortmund. But right now, we're, we're in the present. So is Tuchel going to lead Chelsea back to the success that they, they want to have? Well, it's it's a tough question, but... Uh, out of the managers that are available, I would say probably yes, that he is the best person that I could think of out of, given the options right now that are free and available. Uh, the only drawback I think is that he has no experience in the Premier League, but he has, he, you know, he has some, not necessarily success, but some pretty high points in the Champions League, taking PSG to a final and only and holding Bayern Munich to one goal in the entire game, which is relatively impressive given their attack. Mm-hmm. And you know he it is 
you know, the Farmers League of League on whatever. Uh, yeah. But he, he still consistently delivered titles to PSG and Cup wins. So he clearly knows how to get the best out of players, and he clearly has some pedigree of success. And, you know, he's more experienced. I, I as a Chelsea fan, want him to succeed, obviously, and only time will tell if it's the right option. But just given all of the managers that are out there, I think it is. All right. Well, we will be watching with very keen eyes Chelsea part with Lampard and instead go for the former PSG manager, Thomas Tuchel. Why don't we move on to the rest of our big stories? We have three big ones that we need to talk about. Another club that's kind of in disarray would have to be Real Madrid because they fell in the Copa del Rey to third division CD Alcoyano. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Alcoyano. Uh, they fell 2-1 to them against them with only 10 men. And that's that's crazy. It went all the way to extra time. And to me, watching the game, I don't know if you watched it at all, but the goalkeeper, Jose Juan, is 41 for, for Alcoyano. And he was easily the man of the match, really stepped up to snuff out any uh, Madrid attacks. And really, it was it was a, re- a big team win for the third division side. A great goal from Juan and Casanova to uh, lift them up uh, against Madrid. Uh, and I, I say that because I really want to talk about the positives from the third division side before really laying, to, laying into Madrid because Hazard played especially badly. Tactically, they just weren't up for it. Uh, I read online, uh, Zinedine Zidane has won everything except the Copa del Rey. He has never won it as a player or as a manager. And that just signals that there has to be something more coming out of Madrid from him. So far, it looks like Zidane, because of this game and because of the downturn Madrid's been going through, he could be on his way out. You know, I can't really say much about that because it's still purely a rumor, but it is interesting to think about. Jack, what do you think about this? Yeah, well, one thing I do want to mention is... You, you've got to hand it to Alcoyano. They, they oh, did yeah, sure. fantastically. But also the, the 10 men wasn't as big of a deal as it could have been. Yeah, because it was like the last it did, five minutes. It did come in the last, uh, I think it was the 110th minute, if I remember correctly. And then, but to be fair, they scored the winner in the 115th minute. Yeah. So they they overcame pressure well. And it it's just fantastic to see. We had our cup conversation a few weeks ago. And... Uh, AJ and I are both huge fans of seeing huge these fans, these uh, David v Goliath matches, uh, and watching David take a couple of wins here and there. All right, why don't you take us to the next news story? Yeah, uh, so we've talked about two top teams struggling, so let's go on to a third top team that's been struggling. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool have been struggling perhaps more than any other team in 2021, at least out of the biggest teams. Uh, Ashley Barnes and Burnley ended Liverpool's 1,369-day unbeaten streak at Anfield. Their last loss came against Crystal Palace in 2017, where Christian Benteke scored twice against them. That's that that feels like such a long time ago, and it is. That's almost three and a half years. And Ashley Barnes, you know, uh, he he goes forward. Allison trips him up gets a penalty and he converts it and uh, Liverpool just couldn't produce anything and it 
it just shows that Liverpool are in a lot of trouble right now. Uh, they they lost to United in the FA Cup. Klopp has never gotten past round five in in his five years now, five or six years in mm-hmm. the Premier League. Yeah. And their only win of 2021 is against Aston Villa's academy, where they played, you know, uh, I don't think they, they played many first-team players, if any, in that match. Yeah. And they that was their only win. And they've barely scored. They've been able to score a few goals here and there. But more more often than not, they've been blanking. But it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens in the future, if they'll be able to maintain their title hopes or not. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I really have to add is maybe they do need a center back. I know Klopp was saying they're they're not in the shop for any center backs or any replacement for Virgil Van Dyke, but you know, with the way the season's going, maybe they need a they need someone on loan for just the, that six months. So and I don't know. Hey, hey, if I can offer anyone, um, you could check out um Antonio Rudiger from Chelsea. He's sure. he's definitely <laughs> available. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure a majority of the fans would love to see him go off to better places. Yeah, go ahead, Klopp. Take your pick. Yep. All right. Speaking of taking your pick, Mesut Ozil made his pick, denying Arsenal a contract extension. Or, well, I guess Arsenal also denied him, so I guess it doesn't really matter. But Ozil, defender Bache, is finally official. Arsenal and Mesut Ozil decide to terminate their deal six months early and... There's lots of reminisce. He was Arsenal's record signing at the time. And from his time, I think way back, seven or eight years, he's won three FA Cups, scored 44 goals, assisted 77 times. And the 32-year-old now signs a three-and-a-half-year deal with the Turkish Giants. And just a recap of his entire career uh, with Arsenal. His first few years were obviously amazing, getting those FA Cups. And then noticeably, he did begin to decline He stopped playing for Germany. He had a really public kind of clash with Unai Emery, and that led to him being completely frozen out by the time that the 1920 season restarted uh, last summer. And, you know, there's a lot of people who think that he is a very good player and deserves that recognition, but there's also a lot of Arsenal fans who are looking at this and saying this was kind of a failed investment. He cost 2.3 million, I think, euros per goal, or if you want to look at assists, 1.3 million per assist. Is that really worth it? I don't really know. But the what we do know is that he was a really big part of Arsenal for years. We can't dispute that, and he's probably gonna do great things for Benervace. What do you think? Yeah. Best of luck to him. And so we're done with those four big stories, but we have some some smaller quicker stories that i'm just gonna rattle off that i think are important to note uh one is concussion subs uh the premier league just approved the use of concussion subs in the case that a player gets a head injury and needs to get subbed off each team can do that twice and if i'm reading this correctly and understanding it if a change is made the opposing team can also make uh, a substitution so maybe there's some equality in play there for the other team uh, I don't know. Uh, the next story is Nelson Rodriguez steps down as Chicago president. Uh, this is a really interesting time for the Chicago Fire. They just had a rebrand and now are going to rebrand again next year. And now they're having a new president lead them as a club, hopefully to get some more success. 
uh, it's pretty good news for fire fans because they all hate him so maybe the next president can lead them into a better future and the final story and possibly the biggest story because this literally just happened a couple hours ago uh, it's announced that mls is looking to start on april 3rd 2021 with the preseason beginning in february 22 uh it's looking like they're still going to try to do the lees cup and the campiones cup in the late summer and looking at a december 11th 2021 mls cup date this is uh, you know in general just take this with a grain of salt is what i'm trying to say because we still have the cba negotiations we still have COVID 19 in the air so everything right now is kind of kind of up in the air whether or not it's going to start on time whether or not it's going to start when they say they it will so you know a lot to think about jack what do you think about those three any opinions yeah well the concussion subs i think is a huge deal because yeah you know it's all about player welfare it's it's it you know, you can talk about the integrity of the game and how, like, oh, three substitutions is how it should be, but at at some point, you really have to consider player welfare, and I think this is a great step forward. I'm so glad to see them implementing this, and I hope other major leagues follow in suit. And also, uh, the MLS season stuff, I think that's going to be uh, great, although I do worry about fixture congestion once again, yes. because we saw the effects of that in this past season and it could get messy um and we'll we'll see what it what it looks like but i'm hoping that maybe they might try and reduce the number of games in the season just right now they're looking at 34 like a full 34 game schedule yeah i i think that might be a bit of a mistake but we'll see what they end up deciding yeah we'll see we'll see indeed those are all of our big stories and you know smaller stories uh that is the first aspect of our episode and next is the USMNT corner, which we will go over just the big news from the U.S. men's national team before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, which is our discussions. So kicking it off, we have Weston McKenney scores against uh, Bologna in Serie A and also wins the Supercoppa d'Italiana. This Wednesday against Napoli in the Supercoppa, he conceded a penalty but played well overall. He became the first American to win the Supercoppa d'Italiana and the first American this season to win a major trophy. So congratulations to him. And he kept that form going by scoring against Bologna with a good header off of a corner and now has three goals and two assists of the season. One of Juventus' best players overall. So, you know, good for him. Next, we have another week, another Matthew Hoppy goal. We have Matthew Hoppy scoring in the Bundesliga. Uh, scored in a 1-2 loss against FC Köln. Uh, even if he blanked against Bayern, which he did uh, this past weekend, he's still on five goals this season. So, you know, he scored uh, in the midweek. Didn't score this weekend, but still really, really productive. And we also have another American striker who decided to join in on the Matthew Hoppy action. Josh Sargent, as Jack affectionately called him in the first episode. He scores against Hertha Berlin in the Bundesliga. Josh Sargent had enough of people tearing him down in favor of Hoppy, and he scored a screamer to help Werder Bremen win 4-1 against Hertha Berlin. So welcome back to him. We have even more Americans scoring goals in the Bundesliga. We have Tyler Adams scoring against Mainz. He scored the opener for RB Leipzig in a 3-2 loss to them. His first Bundesliga goal ever. I was actually surprised to hear that. Uh, and he hit a rebound off of a cracker from Sabitzer, who kicked it from outside of the box. Uh, Adams came in, cleaned it up. 
He's playing as a Swiss Army Knife, to be honest. Sometimes playing as a right back, a six, a eight, a sort of semi-right winger, sort of central midfielder. Uh, in short, he's been a utility player for RB Leipzig, and it's paid dividends for him and the team. Uh, number five, we have Mark McKenzie and Brandon Arison debuting for Jenk and Salzburg, respectively. Not much to say there, other than it's quiet games, and they're both from Philadelphia, so that's kind of exciting that they both started on the, the same weekend. We had Zach Steffen and Christian Pulisic both playing in the FA Cup. Steffen did well in a 3-1 win against uh, Cheltenham. The goal wasn't his fault, but he had some good saves. He had some good passes. All you can ask for in a goalkeeper. Uh, Pulisic honestly kind of struggled in a 4-1 win over Luton Town. I don't know, if Jack, if you necessarily agree with that, but in my opinion, it wasn't his best game, even if it was a lower-level division team. We also have some news coming from transfers, and we're getting to like the transfer section. Brian Reynolds to Roma. Last week, we said Brian Reynolds was on his way to Juventus, but it looks like Benevento might not be able to pay for his wages and his transfer fee. So it looks like Juve is also out, and Roma have stepped in with a 7 million euro two-year deal. And it's reportedly being signed today, with Fabrizio Romano giving it the here we go. So that might as well be done and over with. Next, we have Morris to Swansea, and it's official. Jordan Morris has landed in South Wales. He's been handed the number 11 shirt. He's there for six months for the rest of the season, and he looks like he'll be one of the two strikers in the Swansea system. They're second place right now and looking to get promoted, so there's a lot of good news coming out of South Wales. Uh, second to last, we have Caden Clark being sold to RB Leipzig for $3 million in the 2022 season. Literally just happened today. He will stay in MLS for this 2021 season before moving to the German Giants in 2022. And finally, before we wrap up this segment and go on to the to what we're all here for, we have the U.S. men's national team not playing Serbia this Sunday, but instead Trinidad and Tobago in Orlando. Rosters have been announced for TNT this Sunday. We'll speak more on this in the prediction segment, but some notable cuts from the final roster that were in the initial camp roster were Gloucester, Dawson, Ibobasi, and Mihalovic. So that is it for the U.S. Men's National Team Corner. Check it out again next week when we talk all about the amazing things that Americans are doing abroad. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and get to our discussions. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by us. Yeah, we can sponsor our own podcast. Uh, our YouTube channel is in the show notes down below. If you want to listen to this podcast on YouTube or watch a highlight that we release every week, check it out. It's in the show notes down below, as always, or it's in our link tree in our Twitter bio. Whatever you want, go give it a listen. Go give it a like. Go give it a subscription or whatever you guys call it these days. Uh, yeah, this bit has gone on way too long. Uh, back to the episode. All right, welcome back from the break. So we have our first discussion, and as you know, or for our listeners that do know, we like to split it up into two different debates, but we chose to go with similar topics for each of these. So for our first one, the U.S. discussion or debate, we decided, you know, it's been about halfway through the 2020 to 2021 season, so we both put together our best 11s of uh, American players playing in Europe. And this can be yeah. any league, any team, as long as they've been playing in Europe. And, you know, we we figure that we'll probably have some similar similarities, but there's probably a few sources of contention yeah. as well. 
So we are going to get into it. We're going to go over the formations and then discuss each kind of level of depth. So goalkeeper, defenders, midfielders, and then our strikers. So it's going to be a interesting time, and uh, I, I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be one of our more exciting topics that we've talked about so far. So, sure. AJ, you want to kick us off with talking about your formation? Yeah, so I decided to go with uh, a 4-2-3-1. I was thinking about using a 4-3-3, but I decided against that based on like the players that I wanted to include. So, yeah, basic 4-2-3-1, really stock. How about you, Jack? Yeah, I, I went a little bit differently. Um, I went for a 4-4-2 uh, just to just to switch it up a little bit, I I feel like you know I know it's not what the U.S. men's national team usually plays, but I think it it's a rather interesting one that gets across most of the big names that I wanted to get in there. All right, well why don't we just kick this off with the goalkeeper, Jack? Who is your goalkeeper? If it's anything different from mine, I'm gonna be really surprised. Well, I I, I don't think you can really contest this one for Americans in the in Europe playing this season, it's gotta be Zach Steffen. Right. Exactly. Uh, with Manchester City. He's done incredibly well. He's been given league performances, including uh, a win over Chelsea, which was he performed really impressively in. Uh, he kept a clean sheet in the Champions League mm-hmm. and he uh, and he's played very well in the League Cup, taking Man City to a uh, EFL Cup final and uh, performing well in the FA Cup as well. So, you know, I, I don't think you can really choose another goalkeeper out there that uh, that has matched what Zach Steffen has done this season. Yeah, I mean, some might say Ethan Horvath, but how can you really pick him if he's only played, you know, one Champions League game or whatever he picked? Zach Steffen, I can't even name you another goalkeeper. So in my mind, Steffen's played well, and he really is the only obvious choice. Yeah. So next we're going to go over our defensive lines, and I can I can start off by uh, just sure. going through uh, my, my four, and then we can discuss afterwards, I think, because okay, yeah. I think we might have pretty similar lines. So at left back, I've gone with Anthony Robinson from Fulham. At uh, right back, I've gone for Serginio Dest from Barcelona. Uh, at right center back, I've gone for John Brooks from Wolfsburg. And left center back, this one was a bit of a tough choice, but I went with Matt Miazga from Anderlecht. My left back is Anthony Robinson. Right back, Sergino Dest. Left center back, I actually picked Brooks. I do think Brooks is better suited as a left center back. I think with the men's national team, he does end up being on the left more often. And on right center back, <laughs> I picked Matt Miazga from Anderlecht. So yeah. literally the same... Uh, back line except for where we put Brooks and Miazga. Jack, walk me through uh, picking Anthony Robinson and Sergino Dest. I think those are the obvious choices, uh, but I don't know. Talk yeah, me through it. I mean, Anthony Robinson, you know, Fulham have had a bit of a struggle in the Premier League this season, but when they've been good, Anthony Robinson has been behind it. Uh, in the game against Chelsea, where he did get sent off with a red card, you know, he, they lost a huge creative spark. And it just shows how influential he's become to that team. And he he's just done amazingly well for that team. And I, I really hope, even though I'm not a huge fan of Fulham, as it's a, another right. West London club, 
I, I do hope they stay up just so we can see more of Anthony Robinson in the Premier League. And then Serginio Dest, it, it, it actually, I, I considered another option for a little bit, considered changing to uh, a five at the back, actually, to okay. uh, accommodate mm. for DeAndre Yedlin. But then I realized he's only played four games and yeah. kept a clean sheet in zero of those games. So it wasn't really worth picking him, even though, you know, he's had some good moments here and there. Uh, Serginio Dest. I, I don't know how you can choose someone else. Right. He scored in the Champions League. Uh, he's been playing incredibly well for Barcelona, and it's just awesome to see an American playing for the Spanish Giants. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and playing I, well. And playing well. For, as, that's true as well. I mean, uh, so it it I, I don't know how you could pick someone else for this. It's just the obvious pick there. Yeah. And uh, you want to go through the center backs? Yeah, well, just to quickly talk about, uh, not Anthony Robinson, I think you covered that great, but Sergino Dest, 16 key passes, 17 chances created, 90% accurate passes. He was one of uh, Barcelona's best creative players. Uh, you know, kind of slowed down in the last couple of game weeks, partially due to a little bit of injury problems, but overall still really good. I did think about picking Reggie Cannon from Boa Vista, He's played every single available minute. The only problem is the team sucks. Like, if I had to choose between Barcelona or bottom of the table, Boa Vista, I'm going to take the best team in the world. But to talk about the center backs uh, real quick, we have the same ones. John Anthony Brooks is literally a rock. This is one of his better seasons, honestly. He has an 82% pass rate, 75 clearances, and a big reason why Wolfsburg are fourth and have the third lowest goals against. So, really good for him. Uh, and Matt Miazga. Now, he's played decently. There's not a lot of, you know, players who play center back that stand out other than Brooks. So, Matt Miazga was kind of like, you know, the next best option who is, you know, there and playing decently. Uh, Anderlecht has been kind of eh. I think they're fifth right now at the time of recording. Uh, but he's been starting. He's been playing. And I honestly hope he stays there, which is being rumored right now. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, well, I mean, the only other center back that could even be an option potentially is Tim Ream, who has played for Fulham. Yeah. And he hasn't played very well, to say the least. Um, he, w- he was not great in the game against Burnley uh, in the FA Cup this past weekend. And so it, it just had, there, there was no other way around it. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, that covers our back lines. As, as I said at the beginning, we're going to have a lot of similarities in the Americans, but we might have some differences uh, up in our midfield lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, AJ, do you want to go over your midfield? I know you have uh, five in the midfield. Yeah, I'm actually going to talk about the central midfielders first, just because I think I want to save some of the attacking players, because I think that's where we might differ uh, as like my kind of central defensive midfielder, I took Tyler Adams out of RB Leipzig. He's played really well for them, uh, cleaning stuff up as the utility role, as I said before. You know, has had an amazing season. Uh, another player who has an amazing season is my number eight, which is Weston McKenney. Best player of the season out of any American, in my opinion. 87% passing, 18 key passes, 20 chances created, three goals and two assists. Really, really good player. What's uh, your central midfielder line looking like? Uh, you'd never guess it, but it's oh, the wow, exact really? same two. No way. 
I know. I mean, you really can't go against Weston McKenney. He's been unstoppable this season. Yeah. Uh, he's scored in the Champions League with an an absolute amazing goal. Yeah, against and Barcelona. Against against Barcelona, nonetheless. Yeah, and I mean, he he's won a trophy this season, mm-hmm. and you know he's just covered himself in glory. He, he this move has benefited him so much. He was great at Schalke, but he's truly transforming into a world class player at Juventus. Absolutely. And I I don't know how you could pick someone else other than him. And Tyler Adams as well. You know, he he's had a great season so far. Leipzig, I believe, are second or third in the Bundesliga Second, total, I believe. Uh, table, yeah. Uh, so, and he scored his first goal. It might have come in a loss, but it, you know, he is a leader for that team. Uh, we tweeted about this uh, a few days ago, how he just talks and acts like a leader. And mm-hmm. that that is something that RB Leipzig have definitely benefited from. His passing range is great. He's he's very good in multiple positions. And for that reason, he easily makes it into my midfield. All right. Well, let's talk about our wingers for a second. Uh, Jack, why don't you talk about your left wing and your right wing in your 4-4-2? Yeah, so um, left wing, even though it hasn't been as explosive of a season as last, I went for Christian Pulisic. Uh, I think okay. he's done well. He scored in the Champions League, and he uh, he scored against Leeds, you know, in uh, in a game that actually took Chelsea to the top of the league table in December. If you can imagine that that happened, uh, you know, he he's played very well. He's been making good runs, and uh, he's he's been doing really well. I hope he reaches even better form in the latter half of the season. But I don't know who else you could pick at left wing, really. Uh, other than Pulisic. And right. for my right wing, this might be a little bit tough because I know it might not be his best position, but I went for Giovanni Reina from Borussia Dortmund okay. at the right wing because I think he's been playing more in a right attacking midfield role when used at Dortmund. And it just based off of the system that I wanted to put into place, I think that he fits best in that position. You know, he's been scoring and assisting uh Dortmund again aren't having the greatest of seasons but when right. he's been out of the team it's noticeable because they're missing a creative spark and I I think that he's been doing really well it uh I hope that Dortmund do really well in the Champions League knockout rounds and that he can help them recover from their kind of slump in form in recent weeks mm-hmm. and uh you know I I think because of the season he's had so far I think he can do it and uh, so, AJ, who did you have as your wingers? Right, so I had left wing, obvious choice, is Captain America, Christian Pulisic. Uh, yeah, it's not, like you said, it's not his best season due to injury, got some form issues. But even if he's not on the score sheet, I do want to mention that he still gives a lot of effort for Chelsea. Uh, he's actually underperforming his XG by 2 and his X assists by 1.2. And so what that suggests is that he's been getting looks, but he hasn't quite been able to finish them. And he's been able to get some key passes, but you know players like Timo Werner haven't been able to convert them. And so and what this really, really illustrates is the fact that he's been able to make positive impacts for the team, even if he's not you know getting the goals and assists that he was getting last summer. So overall, I, I still think he's been 
one of, if not America's best players in Europe. Uh, another player who I think has been having a quiet season, but I think still has a bunch of quality in the first half of the of this 2021 season is my right wing, which is actually Tim Weah. Yeah, so a little bit of difference here. I do have Gio Reyna just in a different position, but I ended up picking uh, Weah because even though he had a slow integration, he has played pretty decently. He has two goals in 344 minutes. He's made good plays in the Champions League. I think the second half is going to be really, really good for him. One thing to note is that the reason why he's had a slow integration is because he's had a lot of injury concerns coming off from pretty much missing the entirety of last season due to injury. So it makes sense that he's coming back slowly. But even in the short flashes of brilliance that he has when he does play, you can see that this is a quality player and that the second half is going to be really, really good. All right, so that's my left and right wing. Uh, I do have a number 10 and a striker, but I want you to go over your, your strikers first, and I, I'll give those two that I have later. Yeah, so for strikers, I ended up going for a Bundesliga duo, although I did seriously consider putting Wea in, in as a striker because I believe he plays yeah. in a 4-4-2 with Lille. So I, I almost put him in there. I changed it because of the form. It, you could call it maybe a flash in the pan, but it's been great. Matthew Hoppy, he's mm-hmm. he's been one of the few bright spots in Schalke's season. I mean, he he's been a, a flash of hope for a team that otherwise looked consigned to relegation. And I I think like you know he scored a hat trick, uh, and he's he has five goals this season so far. Which, given that he's only played, I think, eight times, that that's a pretty good return overall. That is pretty good. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just had to include him in this because I think that he has such a promising future going forward. And, you know, I, I had to include him in this. And then the other, uh, the other guy that I chose is, as I like to call him, Josh Sargent from mm-hmm. Werder Bremen. Because he has been incredible. I mean, not incredible necessarily, but he's been very good. <laughs> uh, the goal, I, I was thinking about the incredible goal that he scored against Hertha Berlin this weekend. Because that was absolutely world class. Uh, I finished from outside the box, pretty far down. And, you know, he has so much promise. He just needs better service at Werder Bremen. Absolutely. And if he got that, he would be scoring. I think he... I fully believe he would be in double figures by now if he had Probably. that service and i for that reason you know i i just have to include him on this list all right well going over mine those are all very interesting choices and i'm gonna say i have i have reina but my striker is different i actually wasn't going to pick tim Weah, and i was gonna move reina outside of the central midfielder like 10 role into the right wing and I was going to do Yunus Musa, but considering that Yunus Musa hasn't actually declared for the U.S. men's national team, I decided to wait and just pick Reyna. Like you said, Reyna has been a really good player for uh, a mediocre Dortmund uh, team, so not much to say about that. But my striker, I do have a lot of stuff to say about him, because my striker is not Matthew Hoppe, it is not Josh Sargent, but it is Sebastian Soto 
who has scored 7 goals in 12 appearances for Telstar in the Dutch 2nd Division. Yes, it's the 2nd Division, but 7 goals in 12 appearances is still really, really good. So good that Norwich City, who is loaning him out to Telstar for the season, terminated his loan early just so he can get a look by the coaches. And he has his work permit, so there is a non-zero chance that he might feature for either Norwich or go to a higher level team and hang out with them for the rest of the season. What do you think about that? I I mean, yeah, he he has had a really good season in the Dutch yeah. second division. That is prob that is the main reason why I think I didn't choose him, but I definitely I definitely respect that choice. He he's been he's been explosive for Telstar and I I I hope he does well with Norwich. I I, I think it I think it makes sense uh, that that you picked him and you know uh, I, I I know we agreed a lot but I'm glad we had a little bit of yeah. difference on the uh, on on the striker front so all right well how about we move on to the big one which is our big five best eleven for this one we not only have a starting eleven but we also have a bench and some honorable mentions that we're gonna uh, go quickly through at the end but for this we have you know our, our same thing we're going to talk about the formations we're going to talk about the players that play in the big five leagues in europe could be any nationality uh we also picked a coach so we're going to just jump right into it jack what is your formation for this yeah so uh i, I probably went with an unconventional one i went with a four one three two hmm. uh very odd formation, yes, but I think uh, I, I wanted to include two strikers, but I, I knew I also needed winners for me to add everyone in that I needed. So I went with an unconventional uh, choice, and okay. uh, you know it, I, I think I'm pretty happy with it. I'm keeping the same 4-2-3-1 as last time. I'm very stock. I don't, I don't know. I, I think it works the best. 4 2 3 one's just, a, just a, the vanilla of formations yeah. so yeah without the way now yeah, you can go with no. the goalkeepers well goalkeeper uh this is actually one of my favorite players uh that i that i that i get to watch and uh i think i, I know who you're talking i about. i think you i think you probably do uh i went with atletico madrid's number one Jan Oblak. you know mm -hmm. he he is quite possibly one of the best goalkeepers of all time it, because he's definitely one of the best of this generation uh, he has had 18 games, and he's conceded eight goals in those 18 games, keeping 11 clean sheets. Uh, and, you know, those are incredible numbers for any goalkeeper to be putting up. And the saves he makes are absolutely stunning. Uh, you know, he uh, he was the first name on my sheet, if I'm being completely wow, honest. And nice. not just because I, I wrote down goalkeeper first uh, <laughs> and, and went down like that. It, he was the first person I thought of. Okay, well, my goalkeeper, I think, is underrated. I, I, Oblak is very, very good, obviously. Uh, he may or may not pop up on my bench for honorable mentions. Who knows? But for me, I had to pick a player, a goalkeeper, who is severely underrated, still is. And that's Kaylor Navas. Costa Rican and playing for PSG. He's 34, but he's still one of the goalkeeping goats of this generation for my money until maybe 2017 he was the best north american player 
this year he's made 38 saves he's had 10 clean sheets only conceded 11 goals and he's great at organizing a defense as you know we have psg on top a lot of that is due to him it's due to his prowess in goal that's a respectable choice i can i can i can see that yeah uh all right so then with goalkeeper out of the way let's move into our back lines uh yeah AJ, did you want to start us off with uh, your back four? Yeah, so my back four, and I'll, I'll, I guess I should name them off. Uh, left back, I had Theo Hernandez out of AC Milan. Right back, I'm, I'm not so sure how to pronounce his name, but it's Kirian Trippier out of Atleti. Uh, and then center backs, I had a duo of Ruben Diaz out of Manchester City and Willy Orban out of RB Leipzig. All right, Jack, before I before I jump into mine, I just want to hear yours as well. All right. Uh, actually, I, 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 I'm shocked that we came up with the same right back. I picked Kieran Trippier as well. Oh, wow, really? Uh, I, I was shocked. I'm shocked that we picked the same one. Uh, and then for my left back, I picked another Serie A pick, but I picked Robin Gosens from Atalanta. Okay. And then I have, as my center backs, uh, Marquinhos from PSG. Fair, and fair. Sergio Ramos from Real Madrid. Fair, fair. Okay. Well, let's talk about Kieran Trippier first, because as you said with Oblak, Atleti are insane this year, only uh, conceded eight goals so far. I really liked him because I recognize how good he is at tackling and blocking the ball in defense, but he's even better at crossing, and that's what really impressed me. He's got five assists so far as a right back for a a historically conservative team maybe not so conservative this year but to get that is really impressive he has been banned for like 10 games i think for for match gambling or whatever so there's a good chance that he won't be on this list at the end of the year but for now he's he's been really good yeah and just to add to that uh you know when kieran trippier has been out because of this uh ban that's when atletico have started conceding oh, yeah, more for goals. sure they have conceded i think three in the past three games if i remember correctly and a lot of that comes down to they don't have their stalwart in defense real like one of them at least with uh kieran trippier and i should also mention he only conceded five goals during mm-hmm. his oh, wow. dur- while he was playing and kept 10 clean sheets in 14 which is mighty impressive uh and you know Atletico Madrid are definitely lacking a little bit more defensive stability without him. Mm-hmm. For left backs, let's let's move on to left backs since we both picked in Serie A. Uh, I picked Robin Gosens from Atalanta, mm-hmm. and they may have conceded quite a lot at the beginning of the season. I'll I'll admit that they don't necessarily have the best defensive record, but Gosens chips in a lot of goals and assists. He plays as more of a wing back, but. I, I felt like since he can play as left back, I, I slotted him in there. He has five goals and four assists in 13 games, which at, in a defensive position is very impressive. He has been a very good performer for them for the past few years, but he's really kicked it up a notch this year. Nice. Uh, yeah, I stayed in Serie A. I picked Hernandez. I haven't seen much of him because I don't watch Milan that often. But from what I've seen, you know, he's 23 four goals and three assists uh good at dribbling and passing you know same same as your guy I actually did look at him before you know coming up to the my consensus of Theo Hernandez and what really sold it was Milan are on top and he's played a pretty significant role in that 
So yeah, that's my left back. Uh, moving on to center backs, I did like how much we we kind of differed with this. Uh, I took Ruben Diaz because you know he plays for Manchester City. They've only con- conceded 13 goals, which is the best in the league, having only scored the sixth most goals. And so he's keeping them afloat, even though their offense has been kind of sputtering as of late. And you know, moving just quickly to Willie Orban, uh, kind of a, a sleeper pick for center back in my opinion. RB Leipzig have been playing really well, and it's kind of hard to overlook how well he's been playing for them. You know, he scored two goals himself. He's 86% on passing. And he's able to get 2.5 clearances per game. So he's been a really big uh, presence for him in the box and in the opponent's box as well. So tell me about your center backs. Yeah, so um, Marquinhos from PSG, you know, as you said, PSG have only conceded 11 goals in 21 games. And he's also the captain of the team, and he's organized the defense very well, uh, especially mm-hmm. considering they lost arguably one of the best defenders of this generation in Thiago Silva this summer. And, right. you know, he he also has chipped in a few goals from center back. He, he's got two goals in the league in 12 games. Uh, so that that's pretty pretty well done, I, I'd say. Uh, and I, I'd say, you know, uh, he, he's a good pick for some sort of leadership, but, you know, as far as leadership goes, you can't get better than Sergio Ramos for Real Madrid. Uh, yes. He, they've conceded 12 goals in 14 games, or Sergio Ramos individually has, and he has two goals in the league. They may both be penalties, but he has two <laughs> goals in the league. And, you know, Sergio Ramos, he is a key part of Real Madrid's defense. Without him, they are noticeably worse. And it, it with, with, uh, Ramos in the side and without him is like watching two different teams at times because the leadership qualities and just the defensive solidity that he provides makes Real Madrid into a truly unbeatable team when he's there so that that is why he makes my team all right well with the defense out of the way why don't we talk about the midfield and I know you have a 4-1-3-2 so I want to hear who your one is first and I'll talk about my my six and my eight who's like kind of holding back there as well yeah so my one uh if if this team was playing in real life it would not have a lot of defensive solidity because it's not (laughs) it's not a traditional center defensive midfielder but i picked joshua kimmich from bayern munich uh you know he had an incredible game this past weekend against schalke uh he he chipped in i believe three two or three assists I think, I think, I think all it, three. I think well, it was, not all three because they scored four, but yeah. three assists. He he was incredible in that game, and he's been incredible this entire season. He's played twelve games, and he has two goals and nine assists in the in mm-hmm. that time period. And given that he plays in a more central midfield role, that's an impressive return. Even though Bayern Munich press up high, and he's usually pretty high up the pitch, that's still impressive. And the one thing that I really marked him for is his incredible passing vision. He he creates some. In- amazing lawn passes that just almost always seem to find their target yeah i am being honest joshua kimmick is my number six you know he he he's pretty good defensively also really good uh going forward obviously so yeah i think you said it best i mean he has i'm gonna add three key passes per 90 so he's all always creating always doing things so really good for him my number eight however which might be a little, he might be a little more advanced in the attack than a number eight, but it's Kevin De Bruyne. 
So even though City has been struggling, he has been the centerpiece for them. He has three goals and 10 assists. And even when people are saying City players can't finish, he's been finding ways to get them the ball and put them in good positions. And something that I will note before I move on is he has been amazing. So amazing that he's created 64 chances in this wow. season. He's been literally the the puppet master for Manchester City, even when at times they haven't looked quite as powerful as they did in years past. And with that, I want to move on because obviously like my two and well, I guess you're a your defensive midfielder, very similar. I want to go into our front four slash five because that's where I think we'll have a little bit of differences, maybe some similarities. But I want to hear who, yeah, you have four, four, one, three, two. I want to hear your wingers first. All right. So wingers. Uh, so I'll start with right wing. Even though he's not always deployed here, I went with Hyunmin Son from Tottenham Hotspur. He's okay. been he's been great. Twelve goals, six assists in nineteen games. Nearly a goal involvement every game. And you can't really mention him without mentioning his incredible partnership with Harry Kane this season. And well, do they, you have Harry Kane as your striker? No, not necessarily. Okay. I, I, okay. I will say I, I I will leave that for later, but his partnership changes games and also his dribbling is fantastic. And he always seems to press opposition defenses, running at them and finding ways to create chances. And, you know, even even though he may have a lot more goals and assists, he's been providing a lot to Tottenham Hotspur. And he's striking for he's striking some hot form and it's really helped propel them to towards the summit of the Premier League table. So right. it I I had to choose him. And then left wing, again, not always deployed here this season. But it's Kylian Mbappe from PSG. Okay. Uh, he's played 17 games, and he has 20 goals and assists in total. Uh, so 14 goals and 6 assists. And with Neymar being out of the team with a lot of injury problems, as per usual, uh, he's <laughs> been a key portion of PSG's firepower. And truly, I do not think they would be even, like, they would be struggling a lot more if it was not for him. Yeah, both players very, very good. Uh, for the respective teams, I went a little bit differently. And I must admit that maybe those two players are going to end up on my bench because of how well they've been playing. But I think it's undeniable that these two players do deserve a, a space, whether on the bench or in the starting 11. I decided starting 11. My right wing is Lionel Messi. Bars have, you know, been rough, but he, he hasn't been rough, uh, honestly. His dribbling and passing are still sublime. He's created 37 chances and still scored 11 goals in La Liga. And even though, yeah, he's kind of been deployed as kind of a false nine this season, he's still been a very big part of Barcelona regaining their form coming into uh, the midway point. On the left wing, also kind of a false nine being played uh, this season. I'm still including them as uh, a left wing. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. Recently, he became the all-time goal scorer in like all of soccer history. That obviously has to put you in a pretty good place. And he always consistently performs at a high level. He has 15 goals and has the highest XG in Syria. Honestly, it's for me personally, it's undeniable how well he's been playing for Juventus, how well he's promoted all the other players around him to be the best they could be. And yeah, those are my wingers. 
Jack, why don't you talk about your number 10, I believe, your formation has? Yeah, uh, so my number 10, uh, I feel like we probably have the same person for this, quite possibly. I, I uh, think so. I have Bruno Fernandez from Manchester yeah, United. Yeah, Sam. I Same. don't like Manchester United, but come on, who, el- who else was I going <laughs> to choose? Bruno Fernandez has 11 goals and 7 assists in 19 games. And he's, like, without without being overly complex about it, he's just United's player that makes stuff happen. I, I don't exactly. know how else to describe it. Uh, but, you know, at, when he came on in the FA Cup, well, like, my goals and assists don't include anything outside the league, he immediately scored off of a free kick or almost immediately scored after coming on in the FA Cup, winning the tie for Manchester United. And, you know, I I don't know how I could justify choosing anyone else. He's been fantastic. I think just this season alone, he's won two Player of the Month awards already. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I don't think anyone could compete with him. Yeah. Honestly, he is Manchester United. Like, Manchester United is Bruno Fernandes. He's got 11 goals, fourth in the league, seven assists, also fourth in the league. The attack runs through him, and it's undeniable how Manchester United look with him and without him. And with him, they look good. Without them, they look lost. So Bruno Fernandes is honestly the obvious number 10 pick. He might eventually become the player of the season for the Premier League just because of how well he's playing for Manchester United and how much he's lifting them up. All right, and with that, uh, that's my uh, wingers and 10 done. I only have one more player as a striker. Uh, you know, you have two, so why don't you walk us through, how about you give us one of your strikers? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with the one that I think you probably have. Uh, I picked yeah. Robert Lewandowski from Bayern Same. Munich. Nice. <laughs> uh, he has 23 goals and five assists in 17 games. That's that's 1.7 goal involvements per game, like he insane, it, it, which is incredible. He and he's in his mid 30s as well. Like yeah. I mean, he's, old man, old he's man. doing really well. He also has a conversion rate of 70, percent which mm-hmm. is incredible. Uh, I mean, you know, most strikers are lucky to get a conversion rate of like 25, percent 70, percent just yeah. incredible. And you know. He probably should have won the Ballon d'Or this past year. Oh, he definitely would have. He 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 should have. Uh, and I think it's criminal that he didn't get it. But he has been fantastic this year. Another great season for him. Uh, you know, I Bayern Munich have plenty of firepower, but without him, they I I can't imagine they'd be anywhere close to the team they are right now. And that's just a testament to how important he is. Absolutely. Uh, just to go off of that, he he's outperforming his XG by six goals. Like he's that good. That that's how clinical of a finisher he is. He's so clinical that he, now he has scored more goals than four Bundesliga teams. That is like incredible. He, he himself, just by himself, have scored more than four teams. Like that is absolutely insane. For my money, he's the best player in the world right now, and that's why he's on both of our teams. Now, before we quickly go over our bench and our, you know, head coach, I want to hear your last striker because I'm I'm just kind of struggling to think who else you could have picked. Yeah, well, I may I may have told a little bit of a lie earlier. It's Harry Kane. Harry, oh, Harry, you, you Harry Kane. Uh, he he. Like I said, his partnership with Son me. 
has to be legendary this season. I mean, not he like he he's one of the most. I think he has one of the best strike partnerships in the history of the Premier League right now, and he has twelve goals and eleven assists in eighteen games, one point two five goal involvements per game. He he's been incredible, and you know I, I, I don't know what else to say that can't that. He he's just an incredible player, and I don't like Tottenham Hotspur. I don't like yeah. them. But he he has to make it in there because of how good he is. He he's not always the fastest person on the pitch, but he makes things happens happen. He runs at players, he tears apart opposition defenses. Great player, and he deserves his spot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Harry Kane, you say you didn't like uh Tottenham Hotspur. You have two of their players on your starting That, that just shows how good they've been, I feel like. They've they've been very good, especially those two. Mm-hmm. Jack, why don't you before we get to our bench and our head coach, go through your starting eleven one more time. Yeah, so in goal we have Jan Oblak of Atletico Madrid. Our defense is uh from left back to right back. We have Robin Gosens from Atalanta, Marquinhos from PSG. Sergio Ramos from Real Madrid, and Kieran Trippier from Atletico Madrid. In central midfield, we have Joshua Kimmich from Bayern Munich. And then uh, for our midfield three, uh, or attacking three, left wing Kylian Mbappe from PSG, attacking midfielder Bruno Fernandes from Manchester United, right wing Hyunmin Son from Tottenham Hotspur, and then strikers, we have Harry Kane from Tottenham Hotspur, and Robert Lewandowski from Bayern Munich. A very star-studded team might be very attack-heavy, but very that's attack all right. Heavy. I, I it doesn't matter. If, if this is a MLS All-Star game, it would be fine. <laughs> all right, so for me, I have my goalkeeper, Kaylor Navas of PSG. Then left back is Theo Hernandez of uh, AC Milan. Right back, Kieran Chipier of Atleti Madrid. Center back pairing is Ruben Diaz from Manchester City and Willy Orban of RB Leipzig. Uh, my two duo in the midfield is Joshua Kimmich from Bayern Munich, Kevin De Bruyne from City, left wing, right wing, Cristiano Ronaldo, Juventus, Lionel Messi from Barcelona, my number 10 attacking midfielder from Manchester United, Bruno Fernandes, and finally, the one that's heading it all is the best player in the world right now from Bayern Munich, Robert Lewandowski. All right. So, you know, we're running low on time here, and, you know, that's okay. We had, you know, a really good talk about all three of our big topics this this evening. But let's just go over quickly our bench. Don't have to go into it too much, but, you know, we have seven people on our bench. Jack, why don't you just list them off? Yeah, uh, I for goalkeeper, I chose Pierluigi Golini from Atalanta. Oh, and, wow. And <laughs> uh, just, just a few stats to back this up. I know we're sure. running short on time, but I feel like I kind of have to justify this since it's a weird pick. Uh, he's only conceded eight goals in 13 games. He has 2.4 saves per game and concedes 0.62 goals per game. And before coming back from injury, just to put this in perspective, Sportiello, Atalanta's backup keeper, conceded 15 goals in six games. So he's been crucial in steadying Atalanta's defensive solidity. Mm-hmm. And then in defense... We have, I have James Justin from Leicester City and okay. Christopher Trimmel from FC Union Berlin. And then uh, in my midfield, I included wingers as this part. Uh, sure. I have Mo Salah from Liverpool and uh, Thomas Muller from Bayern Munich. 
And then my forwards, I have Erling Holland from Dortmund and Harry Kane, or sorry, not Harry Kane. I, I don't know why that's in the wrong place. Uh, Zlatan <laughs> Ibrahimovic from AC Milan. Okay. My bench is Jan Oblak. Uh, defenders, Cancelo from City, Ramos from Real Madrid. Midfielders and forwards, I don't know, they kind of just melded into one. I don't necessarily know where to put them. Uh, midfielder, Thomas Mueller from Bayern Munich. Hungmin Son from uh, Tottenham Hotspurs. Forwards, I had Kylian Mbappe from PSG, which you previously mentioned. And I also had Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the bench for the forward position as well. You know, all really good players. And who's going to be managing them is another big question. Jack, who is your coach? And I want you to, I want you to say it and don't explain it because I'm also going to give mine as well. All right. So my my coach from Atletico Madrid, Diego Simeone. Ah, nice. I, I okay. had to choose him. And my coach is Frank Lampard. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 it is Brendan Rodgers of Leicester oh, City. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, so walk me through. Well, I can already guess why you you picked uh, Diego Simeone, but go ahead. Well, obviously, he has the cojones for one. Oh yeah, yeah, for but, sure. Uh, he has one loss in 18 games, and he has a seven point lead on top of La Liga, beating Barcelona and regularly crushing through opposition. And to he's dropped eight points throughout the entire season so far, which is just incredible. And for a team that last season lacked so much in attack, he has completely restructured it this season, and they're scoring, like, three to four goals every game, it feels like. And they're doing incredibly well, and I I, I feel like he has been the best coach in Europe this season. Yeah, I, I also... I think he was my second choice behind Brendan Rodgers. He's been absolutely amazing, and hopefully he gets a second title with them in how many how many years? It's it's been a it's been a little bit, but to get the second title with them would be amazing. Uh, so for me, I picked Brendan Rodgers. I don't have any Leicester City players. You may have noticed, but to me that speaks to how well he's been managing them, given that their players haven't been star-studded haven't been super amazing for them he's still been able to get them to third in the league right now with only one loss in the past nine league games if they get champions league for my money he is the premier league manager of the year wow to to take this team to this level amongst you know all the other uh coaches up there as well he has been he has had quite a great season with leicester city and you know it his his manager style just as a testament gives me vibes from the 15 to 16 leicester city season so we'll see if he can replicate that yeah hopefully and with that let's move on to our last portion of the episode we have the predictions side of things uh again the point system is 10 points for guessing the result of the game right and 20 points for getting the the specific scoreline correct. Jack, why don't you kick us off with the first game? Yeah, so we had Manchester United versus Liverpool in the FA Cup. This ended at 3-2 to Manchester United. It was everything we wanted the Premier League matchup last week to be. We had a brace from Salah, goals from Greenwood and Rashford, and a wonderful, I, I mean absolutely magnificent, when I say wonderful, free kick from Bruno Fernandes to win the tie in the 77th minute. 
and AJ guessed a 1-0 win, uh, getting him 10 points for Manchester United, getting him 10 points, and I guessed the reverse, getting me zero. Yikes, but good for me. Yeah. All right, number two, we had Juventus versus Napoli in the Supercoppa d'Italiana. Ended up being 2-0 with goals from Ronaldo and Morata. McKenney did give away a penalty to Napoli, but Insigne missed it wide. It was a pretty bad miss. Juventus win, and I put it down as a 2-1 win for Juventus, giving me 10 points. Jack had zero, because he guessed the opposite towards Napoli. Too much faith in Napoli. Yes. All right, kicks off with Leverkusen versus Dortmund. Yep, so for Leverkusen versus Dortmund, we saw Leverkusen prevail in a 2-1 win. Leverkusen were in control the entire match. Goals from Diaby and Verts for Leverkusen. For Dortmund, their lone goal came from Julian Brandt. Dortmund are just on inconsistent form. Nobody's playing particularly well. And Leverkusen took full advantage. AJ guessed a 2-2 draw, getting him zero. So So close. I guessed a 3-4 win for Dortmund, <laughs> uh, so I got zero, although I'd argue that my my prediction was far worse, as usual. Yeah, probably, but hey, who knows? Maybe, maybe Dortmund will get back on track. One team that doesn't have to get on track because they've been on track for the past two years is the U.S. Women's National Team, as they played Columbia in an international friendly. Game ended up being 6-0. They won 4-0 in their first game, but this one... Ended with six to the home side. Goals from Macario, Williams, Horan, Purse, and a first half brace from Megan Rapino. Pretty entertaining game. I guessed 4 0. So close. 10 points for me. Jack guessed 3 1. Not so close, but still, still got points with 10. Jack, take it away with your favorite team, unfortunately winning. Oh, yes. Uh, this this was a great game. Milan versus Atalanta. I built it up last week to be a great match, and it definitely was. Uh, Atalanta came up the upset winners in a 3-0 to zero win at the Huge San Siro. Win. And uh, we had goals from uh, Josip Ilicic, Christian Romero, and Duvan Zapata, I believe. It was Zapata. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Zapata. And, you know... Uh, Christian Romero was a rock in defense. He, he, it looks like Atalanta might actually buy him early from Juventus. They have him on a two-year loan. And oh, wow. that performance actually can might convince them to buy him a full year and a half early from Juventus. So that that is very interesting. And Atalanta just completely dominated Milan. They could barely create a chance. And, uh, you know... It, it was an incredible performance by Atlanta, and it shows how good they can be on their day. Blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, uh, and <laughs> I, I should mention, AJ guessed a 2-0 win for Milan, <laughs> and I guessed a 2-3 win for Atalanta, so I got 10, while AJ got 0. AJ still wins on the week with 30 yes. points to my 20, although it was a lot closer than last it week. It was very close. Came down to but... the FA Cup. Yes, and I, I, I was sweating bullets. I'm really glad Fernandez made that last free quick. But ultimately, I win. I think our record now is 2-1 to one overall. Yes, yes. So I'm feeling pretty happy, but this week could change it all. So we got some, we got some sleeper picks for some good games. Uh, we're starting out with Palmeiras versus Santos for next week in the Copa Libertadores final. Something to note is that they're two Sao Paulo teams. Palmeiras has one win in five and lost the second leg against River Plate 0-2. Only went through because they won the first leg 3-0. to 
and Santos, three wins in five, but they lost the last two games. And honestly, it's kind of a toss-up. I, I, I have to say it is pretty interesting given that they're both from Sao Paulo and they both beat teams from Argentina, the, the big Argentinian teams, River Plate and Boca Juniors, to get here. Uh, Santos hasn't won against them since 2019. But I'm gonna go three to two to Santos based on form. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna beat history and win this. Jack, what do you think? You couldn't have said it better. I'm I'm predicting the same thing or not the same thing, same result, different score. I'm actually predicting this to be pretty close. I'm gonna predict Santos three to Palmeiras two. I think they both have good attacking talent. And okay. I think that there will be a lot of goals to be had. And given that this is a local rivalry, I think that this will make for one exciting Copa Libertadores final. Wait, who, who did you who did you say was going to win? Santos, Santos three. I said, I said Santos too. Yeah. I said the same stat line. Uh, so we're saying the same thing. I I yes yeah. I, I okay, so. I'm fine with that. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you take us to Inter Milan versus AC Milan in the Coppa Italia. Yeah, so this is going to be a fun one. Milan follow up one derby with another with their more contested rivalry. Inter Milan versus AC Milan, and this is going to be a great game. Both of them, it takes, even though it's not in the league, they're the top two teams in the league. And I think that this will be relatively close because both teams... You know, it's not like the league where you just don't want to lose. I think we're going to get something very similar to Liverpool versus Manchester United. Okay. But I am going to predict Inter Milan to come ahead on four because of their form. Uh, and I'm going to guess that it's going to be Inter Milan 2 to AC Milan 1. Interesting. So you got Inter winning. I have a 2-2 draw. With Milan going on penalties, I think okay. AC Milan, yes, they lost to Antalya last match, but I think they have a lot of really good power. You know, we got Zlatan going against Lukaku. I think Zlatan has some uh, power in him. He always scores in big matches. I'm excited to see how this turns out. So yeah, 2-2 two, two draw, Milan on penalties. And next we have a very, very good matchup. Maybe the marquee matchup in the Premier League this week. We have Spurs versus Liverpool. Spurs are on fire. They haven't lost in a month. That's quite the opposite for Liverpool. And it's at home in Spurs' stadium. One has to think that Spurs are going to run away with this. For my money, Son is going to go off with a goal and assist and lift them to a 2-1 home win against Liverpool. Alright, I I get where you're coming from because... Are you, you going to disagree with me? Slight, are you say Liverpool's going to no, win? No, I'm not going to say Liverpool are going to win. But okay. Liverpool have not been playing well. However, both of these teams, I mean, not both of these teams, Spurs pulled off a win over Wickham Wanderers, but they are going to be tired coming into this game because they they were made to work for that, for that win. That's true. And Liverpool have a little bit more rest in them, and you can never understate that. But given Liverpool's form, it's been atrocious. I'm, I'm going to guess that this is going to come to a 2-2 draw between the two oh, teams. Wow. I think Mo Salah getting those goals against Manchester United are going to make him come alive in the league once again, and I think he's going to chip in a goal for a 2-2 okay. draw. Okay. Well, my fantasy Premier League team would very much appreciate that. <laughs> Another team that my fantasy Premier League team would love to do well is Manchester United in their match against Arsenal. 
both teams are playing pretty well, actually. United obviously have talent and have played well. We mentioned Bruno Fernandes beating Liverpool in the FA Cup. But honestly, I'm kind of feeling Arsenal. They have Saka, Smith-Rowe, and Aubameyang finding form. It's kind of a dumb move, but I think I think it's going to go 2-1 to Arsenal. Wow, okay. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Arsenal did win the reverse fixture 1-0. Mm-hmm. But that was also when they were playing at home, if I remember correctly. So yeah. it could be a much different story this time around. And ultimately, what I Manchester United are the team to beat in the league. I, I'm going to go for a safer pick this time around. Fine. I think Manchester United are going to win this 3-1. to one. Uh, And okay. with Bruno Fernandes getting a penalty goal, as it always seems to happen. So. All right. Well, we, we've had some pretty out there predictions, both sides for us. For me, we're going to go to maybe a safer pick. Last last week, we also had a safer pick, but this is the U.S. men's national team against Trinidad and Tobago. They have some really talented MLS guys there. We got DK, Mueller, Altidore, Ewell, Legette, Perea, Long, Zimmerman, Bello, Araujo, Turner, you know, obviously the still really good despite missing some like other very talented american mls players i don't know the trinidad and tobago lineup at all like i haven't even tried to look it up but you know it, come on it's it's it it seems pretty obvious that we're gonna win what the stat line is i don't know but for me i'm gonna go three to zero goals from dk legit and paul Ariola. Well, jack you know, you say it's easy, but that's what the U.S. thought a few years ago, and we all know how yeah, that turned out. Yeah, but we're way better than in 2017. Come I know. I, I'm just I'm just giving you a bit of a hard time. Yeah. I, I'm not betting against the U.S. national team here. Let's be real. They're, they they want to win this, even though it's a friendly. They want a little bit of revenge for, for, that, for that loss a few years back, and I think they have the firepower to do it. I am going to go for a 4-0 win. For the U.S. Oh, national team, ooh, okay, and uh, you know, I I don't have any predictions on goal scores, but I do think that Matt Turner will start and keep a clean sheet, which would be amazing and a great show of his development. So yeah. I I'm looking forward to that game. I think it'll be a fun time. All right. Well, those are our predictions. Some pretty pretty uh, spicy ones from both of us. Uh, I don't even know how I'm going to be able to watch the Copa Libertadores final, but we'll see. We'll figure that out. All right, Jack, before we end off, is there anything you have to say to anyone still listening at an hour and 25 minutes? Well, as always, make sure to follow our Twitter at Final Third Show. And if you don't want to listen to our podcast on, you know, the normal platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, or uh, Amazon Music, you know, you can always look at our YouTube channel, uh, the Final Third podcast, uh, up on there, and you can watch uh, them. It's still just an audio file, but you know, if if YouTube's your preferred way of watching, go for it. And uh, you know, thank you for all the support. We've been absolutely astound, uh, astounded with the levels of support we're getting, given that we're we just wanted to do this for fun, and we're glad that other people are enjoying it as well. And uh, yeah, that, that's all I have. Just thank you and make sure to follow the Twitter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, with the YouTube channel, I know I said it last week, but I am going to try to put in some highlights. I don't know 
if I'll be able to get all the highlights I want this week, but I'm for sure getting a, a Chelsea Frank Lampard highlight out. So if you want to watch that, go to the YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll end off by saying uh, give us a rating if you want. We got some ratings on Apple Podcasts. Very happy for that. All five stars so far. Hopefully that, hopefully that stays the same. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Amazon Music, wherever you listen to. And as always, tell your friends about the podcast if they're interested in soccer. Tell your dad about the podcast, even if he's not interested in soccer, even if you haven't talked to him in two years. This is your perfect chance to connect with him. T- tell him about this podcast that you found. This bit has gone on way too long, so I'm going to stop it here. All right, that's been the final third. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys next week, same time and same place.